0: just freaking out last time on the show when they heard I was not around um, and I just want to first just put all your fears to rest I I'm alive I, I made it through the Midwestern uh, vacation from hell no it was actually a really good vacation but anyway I'm happy to be back on the Francis farmer show it's good just good to hear you Sean I don't see you which is probably also for the better yeah um, most but definitely. Uh, but I do want to say before we get to this very, very special episode of the Francis Farmer Show, uh, I would like to commend uh, our colleague, Melissa, for filling in for me. I really appreciate it while well, you know, I was gone. Uh, I have one. Actually, you know what? Melissa's going to be on the show later. Yeah. I guess I could talk to her about this then. But you know what? I'll probably forget. So I'm going to say it now. OK. One critique from Melissa. Yes. Also, I'm, I'm a wuss. And I don't want to say it to, to Melissa's face. So I'm, I'm saying it right now. Understand. Uh, Melissa was, you know, she could turn up the jackass quotient, uh, you know, make it a little more, you know, you got to fill in for the tomfoolery when I'm not around. Hmm. And you guys had, you know, intelligent discussions. You guys were, you know, really just getting into some meaty stuff on the show. Uh, that, did did uh, you actually listen to the show? No, I didn't listen to it at all. Yeah. But I, I presume... That Melissa, you know, did not make an ass of herself. Is that true? Did that? Is that what happened?
1: Yeah, I mean, nobody. She held her own. No, nobody complained that you weren't there.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I, I I know how it goes, and I know that I'm sure Melissa, you know, already has a huge legion of followers based on that one appearance on the show, and so. Um, we will bring Melissa in later in this very episode. So anybody that was heartbroken to actually hear my voice again, um, will we'll, you'll get your, your Melissa fix later in the show. And why will Melissa be joining us, Sean? Because of SIF. That's right. SIF is here. The, Everybody the, the, 40,
1: the 40 days of SIF are upon
0: us. <laughs> run for the hills. <laughs> um... If it, those that have not listened to this show before or its older incarnation, Siff is the Seattle International Film Festival. Um and it comes around in in May and and lasts through summer <laughs> it feels like. It's the biggest festival. We talk about this every year, but it's the largest festival in terms of quantity of films and and just duration. It's very exhausting, and, um, but we're excited. We're going to talk about it today on the show. Uh, we're going to tie in with that um, by talking about two films from directors who will have newer works uh, debuting at the, at the festival. Um, so those films include The Long Day Closes uh, from Terrence Davies, um, who has a new film called Sunset Song uh, that is opening the festival. Yes. And would you like to introduce well, it's, it's the other the, one? It's not the official opener. Well, yeah, the Woody the Allen movie is yeah. opening the festival, but it's, it's at the it's, beginning of the festival. It's
1: the first movie any of us are going to see at the festival.
0: Right. And would you like to set up the other film?
1: Uh, the other one is the...
0: Uh, 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 um, <laughs> Put you on the spot. Yoshi Kurosawa. Yoshi
1: Kurosawa, who has uh, who has a film that will be playing uh, towards the end of the festival. It, it, uh, I think it'll be the last film I see at the festival.
0: Right, and so we'll be discussing Kurosawa's uh, Tokyo Sonata from 2008. Yeah. Um, so those will be our two kind of bookends for the show. But then right in the middle is when we're going to get into that discussion uh, with Melissa, who will be joining us to talk about things we're excited about. We're all going to be covering the festival for Seattle Screen Scene and writing reviews and and going to movies together and stuff like that. So we wanted to bring Melissa in to kind of discuss what's coming down the pipe. Uh, pipeline for this, and uh, you well, know what, what we're excited about. What she's looking forward to. What she's looking forward to. Um, there's there's some overlap between our stuff, but uh, we we all shared our lists this week. And and here here's 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 in a nutshell the difference between SIF and other festivals. Um, it it took me like a full week to create my list as i'm sure you know because you kept pastoring me to get you a list Mm -hmm. um but you have to admit doing a sif one is a little harder than like like vancouver i don't know i felt like i banged out my vancouver one pretty quickly um but sif is there's a lot to slog through there
1: um yeah i mean it it took me about the same amount of time because while SIF is a much longer festival, it really doesn't play all that many more movies. Like, they really pad their stats with short films. Like, they play more short films than features. So I think there's only, like, 180 features, which is not all that different from from Vancouver.
0: Yeah, but also the, the difference is that a lot of... Vancouver gets a lot of stuff that you've kind of been anticipating to
2: mm-hmm. a
0: degree, and... uh you know people that you know directors that you really like and you know you get the you get the big name stuff or you know art the big name art house stuff so to speak yeah. uh, and and sif doesn't really i mean and and also you know we're going to talk about this in the middle of the show i i'm, I'm already I'm, I'm running off the rails here but you know there's a lot of stuff that we saw at vancouver nine months ago uh that is playing this festival um yeah. And that's just the nature of, you know, the yeah. time.
1: SIF C- comes at the very end of the festival season, whereas Vancouver's right in the middle. So, yeah, there's a lot of overlap. See, I think uh, I think Vancouver is easier also because, like, we're there and all of, the festi- all of the theaters you can walk to and we don't have anything else to do when we're there. Whereas here, I have to, like, build my schedule around babysitting. Right. And uh, I have to drive and you can... If you're seeing a movie and at one theater you can't see the next movie on another at another theater because it's completely across town and like there's no way to get from the Egyptian to the Uptown at six o'clock on a Wednesday night within an hour and a half, right. so you're basically you're locked into one theater or the other. So like the hard part is trying to arrange that kind of scheduling. Whereas in Vancouver, you just everything is within like a fifteen minute walk, so.
0: Right, yeah, and as and as you said you you know you and I both when we went to Vancouver it was you know that was all we were doing, but we you know we we work siF around our our normal lives um, yeah. you know to the extent that we have lives um, yeah. but you know yes, it's a little harder to, to plan yeah. so anyway, but it's it's gonna be the siF spectacular mm-hmm. uh, part one of probably a thousand uh, we're gonna you know the next episode will be dedicated to stuff that we've already seen you know, the festival doesn't start for uh another when did the hell is the stupid thing ne- next friday My, may 19th yeah, is the first day of sif and um yeah so but- we'll be dedicating you know airtime to it uh throughout its run and talking about movies that we've seen but we haven't seen anything yet because uh we've just got ourselves situated here so yes yes so anyway except for all the movies we saw in vancouver right <laughs> um yes uh, so without further ado let's let's uh let's let's take a pause from the whole the Sith discussion um, and hear a clip from uh, Terence Davie's the long day closing
2: good night boys
0: gosh my sister
2: uh, I hope I'm not too presumptuous for well, you don't need any beauty sleep what a nice compliment how does it go how does what go over the banister leans a face tenderly sweet and and beguiling nobody only those eyes of brown tender and full of meaning gaze on the lovely
0: Okay, that's a clip from the long day closes. Although astute, uh, you know, cinephiles will probably recognize it from, another, you know, its its source material, uh, Vincent Manelli's Meet Me in St. Louis, uh, and I'll, dis- I'll describe why that's being used um, as a clip from this movie. But uh, Long Day Closes is uh, a film from Terence Davies that's set in the '50s in Liverpool, and uh, the protagonist is a 11-year-old boy named Bud. Um, who is kind of a lonely kid, uh, spends a lot of his time kind of just hanging around the house, sitting on the stairs. Um, when, he's, uh, when he's not doing that um, and listening to his family, you know, sing popular songs and, um, you know, and when he's not in school, he spends as much time as he possibly can at the movies. And uh, he's, he's kind of film crazy. And uh, he's, it's, it's the thing that gets him most excited in life uh you know he's constantly asking you know if anybody wants to go with him to the to the cinema and stuff and he's uh his life is kind of punctuated with uh these kind of reveries where he he has moments where clips from films and it's just the audio and that's something i want to discuss because i really like the way that davies uh incorporates these classic films including magnificent ambersons and uh the Minnelli into into the film where you don't actually see the clip of the film you just hear the soundtrack um while you see the life in this kind of rather drab liverpool you know it's it's kind of washed out it's kind of rainy um environment or whatever but it's a really cool effect that um I haven't really seen in in other movies and I and I think that was pretty cool so anyway um so that's the plot, I guess. I, I, I kind of nailed the plot there, didn't I? Yeah, there, there's, there's there's
1: there's not really a a plot.
0: Yeah, there's not really a plot. It's kind of it's more of an atmospheric thing. Um, and he's and it really he does spend his time mostly at home or at school, um, or at church, or at church. Um, and it's it's very it's very you know mid 20th century um, you know British life, and. Uh, yeah, it's a it's an interesting film. It's a coming of age story that's told. I think the most interesting thing about it is is the way that it's told. Um, and and part of that is is the way that, um, Davies, like I said, uses those those film clips. And the music is is really really well done in this movie. Um, there's some really great pieces um, that are very evocative of of this kind of, you know. These these kind of reveries that he, that he goes through, um, and then in addition to that, he also does some very interesting visual stuff where uh, half the screen will be, the, you know, the I can't think of an exact example, but the the mother will be like washing dishes, and then you'll see Bud in the you know on the right side of the screen, but then it'll fade out and he's actually in school, but it looks like they were in the same spot at the same time. Um, so interesting visual things going on and
1: yeah there's some really great dissolves and it's uh there's like uh like image match dissolves where there's like a a shot of 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 bud and it dissolves to a shot of his mother and they're sitting in the exact same position in the frame so it's that kind of graphical match
0: yeah very meticulously done and, and very very seamless like you know this is not uh you know this is 1992 so this is you know it was a lot harder back then <laughs> to 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 do that kind of uh, matching and, and what have you um and for special effects um it's very very well done so i know you watched uh several davies films uh recently gearing up for um well, I, I
1: just i just watched this and uh and the one that immediately preceded it uh distant voices still lives oh
0: okay uh, which is the, the and correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't seen that one. We we were kind of hemming and hawing which one of these we should discuss on the show, but mm-hmm. that has a similar kind of. Uh, yeah, they're you know, they're it's, all it's, it's, they're, they're of a they're of a similar piece, I guess.
1: Right. Yeah, they're all they're all autobiographical. Uh, Distant Voices, Still Lives is more kind of plot uh, driven than than this one. Like it, it's hard to be less plot driven than than Long Day Closes. But distant voices, still lives is about, uh, at least in its first half, it's about it's about the same family. Although the the Davies uh, figure isn't in the story, there's just three kids: a uh, uh, an older boy and his two sisters, and their kind of insane, tyrannical father, played by Pete Postlewaite, who's who's really abusive. The first half of the film is is kind of how they. Uh, how they deal with him when he was alive, and then the second half is kind of how, after he's died, uh, kind of the echoes of his abuse just kind of linger on in their lives. Uh, whereas Long Day Closes is, like, specifically set in, in, like, this year after Davy's father died and, and kind of before puberty, and he started to become, like, really upset about uh, his uh, nascent homosexuality
0: yeah yeah uh yeah the 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 father figure is you know absent in in this one um and and in in it in his place you know i i think i think one of the real strengths of this movie is this um portrayal of the mother the, the the depiction of of his mother who is you know kind of trying to keep all of this together um you know the the keeping the family and, and, you know, kind of running the household and, you know, but, but, but is it like a nice, you know, kind mother who, you know, she, she has this sternness to her, but she always kind of gives in like, you know, he, at the beginning of the film, the first uh, scene, you know, he's asking her for some, you know, extra cash to go see a movie. And, you know, she's, she doesn't answer at first and she kind of, you know, ignores him and then ultimately gives him the, uh, the, the money or whatever, but it, there's a really good portrait of this mother son relationship in in the film. Um, and Marjorie Yates plays the mother, who's just known in the title, ty- you know, in the credits is just known as mother. Um, but it's a, I think it's a really evocative, you know, uh, portrayal of this kind of relationship. Yeah, and
1: uh, and the the mother figure is, is very saintly in the in the first movie in Distant Voices as well. Um, but stylistically, the films are are very much the same. Like even like the it's a different set. It's the different apartment that they they shot in. But that like that staircase uh, that the front door opens onto the foyer with the staircase going up and then the hallway is it's exactly the same. Like the, even the wallpaper, I think, is the same in house mm-hmm. and the same kind of jumping around in time and lots and lots of group sing-alongs, which is a, a Davies trademark. I. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, those are all there in in the first movie as well uh and then it's very uh it's just it's it's really uh i don't know it's great <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i i think i, I think I, I liked the long day closes a lot more than you did uh it's it's very it's very strange because I've never really seen anything like it. Uh, that's a movie that so refuses to have a plot, yet is so easily comprehensible. Like, it's, it's not a difficult movie to watch at all. It's just, it, it never meets your expectations in that it doesn't really go anywhere. It just kind of luxuriates in these sensations and scenes and, and times with always it, it feeling like something is going to happen but in nothing never really does. It's like it's a movie about this kind of in between time, right? After like the big drama with with the father happened, and before the next big drama in the kid's life happened, it's this this one happy period that is like surrounded by sadness, right?
0: Yeah, and I you know I liked this movie. I I, I did, and I and I, I think I liked it more on that like we were talking about at the beginning that the technical level um, and, and Davey's really um, expressionistic choices for, for kind of painting this um, world um, then I did. And I don't need plot. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But, uh, um, but I, yeah, I, I didn't really connect too much with the character, particularly you know, um, I, there were characters on the fringe that I wanted to spend a little more time with than maybe, I did with Bud and, and and the family. Like, there's the neighbors that are, you know, there, there's a great uh, supporting cast of the, the two neighbors that have this very jokey, uh, I think you know. I think they're an aunt and uncle. Oh, is that who they are? Yeah. Um, the, yeah, they have this very jokey relationship uh, with each other, and they're always kind of putting each other down, um, which I thought was really adorable. But anyway, so, um, but I, I mean, I yeah, I just didn't, Connect with the characters as much as I maybe would have liked to. and and the like you said, the movie it, it, that's kind of intentional, I think um, I, th- I or- think
1: I think it's totally intentional. Like I think we 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 see everything through through uh, Bud's eyes, and he's like the least interesting character uh, in that he doesn't really do much. Like he spends the whole movie looking at stuff, basically. Uh, and so we see a lot of interesting things because we, because he's interested in them, and then his like interest. Uh, what makes him fascinating for us is that we are trying to see those things in the way that he sees them. Yeah, Does that make sense.
0: No, that makes total sense. Yeah,
1: as opposed to him be like being a charismatic figure, which he's not.
0: Yeah, he, and he's, he's, want, and he's just
1: like a twelve-year-old boy.
0: Right. Um, yeah, and I just, I, I wish maybe there was a little bit more of those, um, I don't want to say flights of fancy, but those, um, anytime the movie kind of became untethered from that reality a little bit, I was really excited. Um, and whether that's like a really interesting angle for, a um, uh, a shot, like there's a great tracking shot, um, that's looking down upon the kind of stoop where they live and kind of moves, I think left to right or something. Um, and it, and it's so disorienting, you know what you're looking at, but it like, it, it, it just, uh, it, it pulls the rug out from under you. And, and he does that in so many different ways in this movie. And I loved every time that that happened. Um, I just, when it wasn't happening, I was a little less invested.
1: Sure. And there's the, the really ostentatious, uh, overhead panning shot of uh, it's got like the, the people in the church and then it, it dissolves to people in the theater and then it dissolves into kids in school. there's kind of connecting the three parts of his world in this one image. Uh, mm-hmm. It actually reminded me a lot of, uh, of Prospero's books, which was the last movie we talked about that also has a lot of lateral tracking shots. Mm-hmm. Like the, the style is very similar. That was, that was, I think 91. And so, Uh, I think Davies Davies and Greenaway, I think, had a lot more in common than I would have ever expected if we hadn't just watched these movies back to back.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, yes, I know what you're saying, but there's also there's like the the differences are are vast. Well, well. like the
1: difference in in like personality is huge. Yeah, (laughs) but
0: uh, and the frame is much more overstuffed in something like Prospero's Books than this, which is, you know, um, yeah. it, they, yeah. in this there's there's there tends to be just one, I don't know yeah the, there's a lot going on there's a lot more well I don't know that's a good the, 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 the artificiality the, the sound, of the two the soundtracks are,
1: are are really densely layered for both yes. of them yeah uh, you know Greenway obviously has like a lot of on-screen text and and there's not really that at all with with Davies but right and there's there's like a a kind of lunatic brashness to, to Peter Greenaway that that David right. you would think would just find distasteful.
0: Exactly, I think that's a, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Um, but no, I enjoyed this, and I'm interested in seeing *Distant Voices, Still Lives*. Um, you yeah. know, I, I find this this era pretty interesting. You know, this post-war uh, era is you know, in, it's been done to death, but it's mm-hmm. also pretty fascinating still to me if it's if it's done in a unique way like this film is you know like you could do some you know movie of the week type thing which would just drive me up the wall and be horrible but um it's nice to see a different perspective of this kind of uh see this world that we've seen time and time again
1: yeah it's really one of like the the greatest things about it is that it's it's covering this territory like 1950s uh working class england uh but doing it in a way that's so much more interesting than like every other film that's been made about that genre or that, yeah. that era and that milieu, if you will. Uh, so after, after watching these movies, uh, I was doing a little reading and like everything I, I read about them uh, cited uh, uh, T.S. Eliot as like Terrence Davies' favorite poet and uh, uh, his four quartets. In particular, as an inspiration for these films, so I hadn't I hadn't read that since high school, so mm-hmm. I, I I busted out my my collected poems. Oh and, no, uh, here we go. Oh, I'm not I'm I'm not going to read,
0: <laughs>
1: but I, I recommend that anyone who has seen these movies and isn't doesn't know the Four Quartets, uh, read them because it's basically like Davies just adapted them to his own life. Like there are like there's like a, a passage in in the beginning about like a bowl of rose leaves that like rots with time, which is the opening image of the yep, long day closes. Uh yeah, and the 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 conflation of, of past and present and jumping around in time that you know time doesn't really have a meaning. There's all it's like an eternal present kind of nonsense. Uh that is like the governing <laughs> aesthetic for this film. Like there's no there's no beginning there's no end there's no cause and effect it's just all there right and it's uh and i think it's really it's really interesting it's really beyond like anything that i can put into words right now the relation between between these films and and those poems but uh yeah i definitely recommend reading those they're easy to find and doesn't take long to read so
0: yeah cool great little supplementary uh material there
1: yeah, we don't talk enough about poetry on the Francis
0: Farmer show. We don't, but we were inspired, uh, both of us, on Letterbox this week uh, yeah. to to add some poetry to the mix. So. Yeah, you, you you
1: composed yours.
0: I <laughs> I copied mine. <laughs> right. Well, because that's how we roll. Yeah. Well. <laughs> i maybe composition was not the best uh plan of attack on my end but uh so yeah so that's our discussion of the long day closes and as we said uh you know davies uh, has a new film out that's playing um at siF at and I'm sure that we will be discussing that um either on uh you know the next show or, or a post siF yeah uh, I'm, program.
1: I'm, we're gonna talk about that coming up in the next segment i'm sure because I know Melissa is really looking forward to it as well she's even driving all the way down here to go see it so
0: Yes. So uh, we're gonna take a quick break but then when we come back Melissa will be here with us. Ooh. I'm very excited. back to the show everybody uh as promised uh you know the the new star of the francis farmer show has has deigned to join us for this middle <laughs> section uh melissa's here slightly drunk from a church function but <laughs> but here nonetheless
3: as one is yes
0: right um you are you doing you're doing well thanks for thanks for thanks for filling in for me last, yeah, absolutely. last
2: time
0: um absolutely. And, and thanks for for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us again on this show. What, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What I learned. Here's what I learned, Melissa. Like eight years ago, uh-huh. give Sean Gilman an inch and he'll take a mile. Like he, <laughs> you, 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 you know. You say, yeah, that sounds like I might be able to be available for that. And the next thing you know, eight years later, you're, you know, you're in cahoots. There's no breaking up this marriage.
3: No, I know. I don't know how this happened,
0: but I know, suddenly, right?
3: yeah, no. <laughs> it was a whirlwind,
0: a whirlwind, uh, and and you know, you can't you can't use your alcoholism as an excuse, because <laughs> Sean transcends that. But uh, but we're glad that you're here. We're gonna talk about SIF. You you have you ever have you ever been to SIF before? No, I haven't.
3: I mean, it's you know just down the road, but I have never actually been there. But Seattle feels very far away. There's so much traffic to get there. I just, you know, I just go to Vancouver instead.
0: Yeah, that's that's easier One and how, better in like every way. <laughs> it's,
1: how, how long, I don't
3: want How what? long
1: is it to Vancouver from from Bellingham?
3: It's you know, it's, a, it's I would say like an hour and a half, maybe a little yeah. bit less if the traffic is good.
1: And it, it's only like two hours to Seattle.
3: Well, you know, if there's no traffic,
1: right. but <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's Vancouver. Just feels easier to me for some mm. reason. Nothing against Seattle. I love Seattle. Fine,
1: <laughs> fine. I, I, yes, I don't. Yeah. I don't live in Seattle, so I'm,
3: well, not, I'm
1: not offended.
0: It takes I, me. An, it takes me an hour to get to Seattle. So
3: yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah. Sean and I. There's a. There's a. There's a legal reason for this you know that, that sean has to be without you know he has to be an hours away away from me at all times uh <laughs> due to due to some you know restrictions that were placed on by the court uh so when i moved further south in seattle sean then had to move to tacoma That's true. uh and it's just right. it just keeps going on from there so yeah. um, well let's talk about sif so sif As we said at the beginning of the show, which you didn't hear, Melissa, but uh, SIF runs May nineteenth through June twelfth. That's a long time.
3: It's kind of overwhelmingly Uh, long. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, So obnoxiously long. Yeah, it just it just goes and goes, and you know I don't want to. I always do. We do this every year. We kind of, you know, we're kind of underwhelmed. We yeah, we complain about SIF in a lot of facets and stuff, and. You know, I, I, you know, it frustrates me. I've got my problems with it, but you know what? It's a film. F- it's not. It's nice. It's nice that it's it <laughs> exists. You know, certain segments of the population get excited about it. You know, old ladies with blue hair get. You know, they're pretty excited about seeing some lots of, of this stuff. Lots
1: of people get excited about it. It's like it's hugely popular. It's, yeah, it's an insanely yeah. popular. Thing like it's they pack auditoriums for movies that nobody in Seattle would go see any other time of year.
0: But these
3: are like Seattle residents that are suddenly get in the mood for cinema, kind of thing.
0: Apparently, (laughs) I think what it is, I think it's people that I think it's people that have been going since the seventies, you know, (laughs) and and it's just but they don't but they're not adventurous anymore, so they don't go out and see stuff the rest of the year cuz they don't want to keep they want they don't want to keep up with anything they don't know what they're seeing half the time they just get a <laughs> festival no it's true it's true it's absolutely true they don't know what they're going to they just uh, they're, they're they're used to the trad- annual tradition of getting their festival pass you know right. and going and and just whatever's there that's what they're going to see um that's what happens a lot you know uh, uh-huh. but that's okay that's uh, hey that's all right i don't want to be a negative nelly here <laughs> let's talk about what's. It, let's talk about what excites us about SIF twenty sixteen. Can we do that? Sure. Let's let's, let's let's do that. Let's talk about some of the titles that we are
1: looking forward to because, uh, while you know, SIF is so big, they they have to have some good stuff there, if only by accident. So, <laughs> what, it what 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 is the good stuff
0: that we want to see? Why don't you start, Mike? you want me to start sure sure um so sean wanted to go in chronological order but i don't know if i'm gonna do that because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nobody cares because melissa wasn't gonna do it and uh, you know <laughs> i
3: refuse yeah
0: fine. see fine you know i don't care Is a revolution brewing sean i don't care. Join the... yeah i know um <laughs> What I, so what I want to highlight, uh, you know, there's a lot of overlap. We we shared our list with each other, and 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 there's, you know, uh, there are a lot of things that we all want to see. But I'm going to highlight something that uh, is kind of one I, I'm particularly excited about that I don't think either of you are too excited about. Um, I've talked about it on the show before. There's a documentary called Streetwise that came out in 1983 and it's about homeless youth in Seattle and it's absolutely devastating and and it's 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 really one of the best documents of of kind of this this horrible uh issue that that that's still going on today. It's 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 as uh important now as it was back then. But uh one of the one of the uh young adults from that movie from 1983, uh, was this woman Erin Blackwell, who goes by the name Tiny, and the filmmakers of Streetwise um, have been kind of keeping tabs on Tiny um, as she, you know, got off the streets, uh, started a family. Very large family. Uh, I think she has like ten kids or something like that. Um, but anyway, there's this documentary called Tiny: The Life of Aaron Blackwell that is uh, premiering at SIF and um, is playing two nights. Um, that obviously has a, a, a local attachment because of Streetwise's, you know, depiction of, of uh, homeless youth in Seattle. Um, and I, I'm pretty interested to see where where this is going to go. Um, and it, it seems like it's probably going to be pretty damn depressing, but. Uh, <laughs> uh that's kind of my bag so I, I that that's what I'm excited about and um, I you know I've said before on the show streetwise um, needs to be seen by more people and it needs to have wider availability and hopefully something is in the works with you know surrounding this new movie where streetwise will you know get its day in the sun because it really deserves it and so hopefully people turn out for this and and are appreciative of it so and hopefully it's good I don't know so that's 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 my that's one that jumped out of me uh, you know right off the bat what about you melissa
3: well yeah i'm kind of torn here whether i should choose something obscure that that none of the rest of us are going to talk about or one of the ones we're all thinking about seeing but maybe i'll maybe i'll start with a slightly more uh, obscure title that's only on my list um and this is a polish film called the lure and um, I'm I have no idea if I'm gonna saying her name right, but it's by a female filmmaker filmmaker um, Agnieszka Agnieszka um, and it's her debut feature. She's had um, won some awards for her short short films, and this is a, a film getting some good buzz at other festivals. But apparently, it's a it just kind of jumped out at me right away just by the title of it. It's but it's a kind of a genre hybrid that's been described as a musical slash rock opera melodrama, horror film, love story, fantasy, coming-of-age tale, and it features uh, two teenage mermaid sisters who take human form, and though they normally eat humans, they become a hit act in a Warsaw nightclub um, with their siren-like voices. Um, and so the, the film is drawing on the, the director's memories of uh, kind of communist popular culture in the 1980s where there were these Western-style dance hall restaurants um, that her mother actually ran one of them, but they featured live music and kind of glamorous stage acts that covered uh, new wave pe- Western pop hits. So it's kind of a very narrative, narratively electric, eclectic uh, film, apparently shifting from something that's maybe more traditionally narrative, but but then moving into musical interludes that sound really great I mean I can't really resist the sort of 80s new wave. but then you add in some mermaids um and it's supposed to be kind of a sexy quasi-comedy which evokes Brian De Palma and David Cronenberg so yeah that sounds kind of great to me (laughs) so that's one that I'm looking forward to
0: yeah, I was intrigued by that one from the you know little description that I saw. Uh, it's one of those festival ones where I'm like, this could go either way. Exactly. So I, I'm interested to see what you know what your opinion is of it after you see it because yeah, I was intrigued and I was like trying to whittle down my list. I was like. I could see myself really not getting on board with this one, <laughs> but at the same time, yeah. I might. It might be. It might be one of those quirky, weird things that actually does, you know. Work I know. For me, so, I yeah. know.
3: I mean, it does kind of scream like festival film, but it could be great. And I did see that, for example, David Ehrlich gave it a pretty high rating. So I'm kind of hoping that at least there might be something there. Yeah. that will be worth yeah, looking at. So
0: certainly. Uh, what about you, Sean? How do you feel about the mermaids? <laughs> uh, sure, I
1: thought I thought that looked uh, uh, somewhat uh, intriguing as well. Um, I'm really bad at these because I can never remember what movies are about. Uh, usually after I see them, but definitely not before because even if, <laughs> like, I read a description, I like immediately forget it because I don't want to know what it is before I see it. Mm. So, in trying to describe right. a movie that I haven't seen yet, I, I do a really poor job of it. So I will do the best I can. And I, I will pick an, uh, a somewhat obscure one because that is what the two of you did. And I'm going to go with uh, A Bride for Rip Van Winkle, which is a new film by mm-hmm. Japanese director Shinji Iwai, who I have seen two of his movies before, uh, both of which I liked quite a bit. Uh, there's one called All About Lily Choo Choo, which is about teenagers, on the internet who lead very kind of sad and lonely lives. They're all like obsessed with this one pop star who's kind of loosely based on, on Fei Long. Uh, that's that, a
0: great
1: movie. It's a yeah. really great movie. And he also did one called. Uh... Shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're <that's> really good <laughs> what <shit>. a commercial <laughs> title. Uh, he also did one called April story, which is just, like the prettiest movie I've ever seen about a uh, uh, a young girl who's like in her first, who follows her crush to college for uh, her first year. And it's just kind of her first year of college. It's kind of like Felicity, but uh, but awesome.
0: Anyway, so <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm excited for his new movie, which is apparently about a uh, woman who marries a man who she met on social media. And then... Uh, uh, turns out that he is having an affair and then she's single again and more stuff happens and it's three hours long and i am excited to see it
0: yeah sounds great i i really want to see that one too i you know i've been i've been working out my festival schedule and stuff and uh i can go to one of the two shows for that one but it's uh it's at 9 30 at night uh and like we said you said it's a three-hour movie and i have to work the next morning and so i'm like Ugh, why did you? Why did you have to schedule this <laughs> so late? An hour, but, um, I, I, but I, yeah, I
1: do I, really want to see that one. I, I will be at that show because it's it's playing at the Egyptian, uh, uh right after Chimes at Midnight. So yes,
0: mm-hmm. well, we'll be discuss. Yeah, let's. We can talk about. The, do you want to talk about the archive stuff? You want to take a little archive break? Because sure, I got to sure. say, the highlight of this year of SIF is they've got the, some dope ass archival stuff coming. Yeah.
3: They have some good ones, yeah.
0: Some really, and, and you know, last year they had the red shoes, and, uh, well, you know. Wow. Well, <laughs> well they, they tried to have the red shoes.
3: <laughs> it, it didn't happen?
0: The,
1: uh, the print exploded. They, they oh. had the 35 millimeter restoration of it, and it failed multiple times, and then they gave up sometime, I think, in the middle of the second reel.
0: Yeah, um, which was, is uh, horribly frustrating.
1: I was very upset. <laughs>
0: But uh, yeah, and the, well, they did the Apu trilogy and stuff, and and yeah. you know, like the Apu trilogy, they're they're showing stuff that you know, you is clear will be on Criterion very very soon. <laughs> um, that's uh, but they're doing some really awesome stuff like Chimes at Midnight, and I'm really, I mean, we talked about Chimes at Midnight recently uh, on the show about Shakespeare, and I mean, it, I picked it as my, I think I picked it right. That was my essential Shakespeare film. Uh, I think it's, so. It's. So good, so good, um, and they're doing other great stuff. They're doing uh, Buster Keaton's The General, which unfortunately I am working that day. Oh, it's got a, it's go got over. a new score by Joe Hisashi. Uh, the General does. Yeah. Damn it! Yeah. Maybe I'll call him sick. Yeah. You know, it is. It, it's my. It's also my younger brother's birthday that day, and. Uh, I, maybe I'll just be like, oh, suddenly came down with the flu and I got it uh, because I really want to see that on the big screen. Um, and then obviously, uh, well, a whole bunch. Of, I mean, it's great. Uh, which which of the ones that I, I'd say Chimes at Midnight is the archival thing I'm most excited about. What would be your picks for the for the archival film? I know what Sean's is. Maybe I do. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't.
3: Why don't you go for it, Sean?
1: Uh. Well, I mean I the general actually is is like a huge draw because I love watching the general. I've seen it in a theater before and it's amazing in the theater, but I'm really excited to see the the score. The the Yeah, Joe Hisashi Joe that'd is that'd be great. great. Uh but I mean the one you're referring to of course is, is Dragon Gate In the the King Who movie which uh which is playing and is a great movie and I am of course looking forward to seeing that.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: uh, what about you, Melissa?
3: Well, I'm probably not gonna make this one, but I would love to if I could make the Douglas Sirk uh movie. I I, I love Douglas sirk movies and I've never seen A Scandal in Paris. Have either one of you seen that one?
0: I have. It's I have not
3: starring the George Sanders. Mm-hmm. So be a callback to the this the show. Um who? It, uh, uh, George I'm not Sanders. Fa- not familiar. <laughs> <laughs> You're not familiar with the name?
2: No, that doesn't matter.
3: Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, it sounds great. Um, he plays like the 18th century French con man, apparently, who s- starts by stealing women's garters and then becomes the Paris chief of police. So that plus Douglas
2: Sirk
1: yeah, I sounds have. great. I have seen that, but I do not uh-huh. remember it. Wow. So. Ah. Uh, yeah, I I am looking. I'm going to go see that one. I think I'm going to go see like all of the archival shows, (laughs) at least I'm scheduled to.
0: Yeah, I well, I, I, you know, when I was hashing out my list of stuff, I wrote to you, Sean, and I said, I, you know, I might just go to the archive stuff this year (laughs) and ignore the rest of the (laughs) festival because it's really, (laughs) it's not fair, but like nothing is going to get me as excited as I mean, there's some stuff, and I think we'll talk about it in a second, but um. It is a little unfair to 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 just stack your archival stuff with yeah so many great names uh, and then you know and then it's I don't know yeah we have uh, <laughs> there's uh, there's Gene
1: Tierney and Ernst uh, Lewich's Heaven Can Wait there's yeah. a, a Chinese silent called The Big Road that I'm really looking forward to uh, I've never seen that and there's an Argentine film noir called the bitter stems that looks really cool
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah so it's
1: it's not just like you know big titles like times at midnight and dragon Inn. it's, it's no, no, no no yeah it's uh, some smaller stuff too that'll be that'll be really exciting to to go see
0: and lord of the rings the return of the king yeah what
3: oh that's right
0: there's
1: yeah, a vigo so mortensen weird. retrospective that's picked like four <laughs> movies entirely at random from vigo just totally career. totally <laughs> random
3: is that just? I mean, why Viggo Mortensen? Is that just they're, because they're he could, could him, come?
1: Yeah. <laughs> or, they're, they're okay. giving him their lifetime achievement award or something. It, this is what okay. they do every every year.
3: year they,
0: yeah, he's not every that year they, old yet. No, no. They did it last year with Kevin Bacon. They get somebody who's like oh. in, who's did, like headlining an they did indie it with movie. The, like Ed Norton
1: a few years ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. They get someone that's Viggo Mortensen what? is in that movie that's uh, that was shot here, and so. He's around oh, and promoting. Okay. And, yes, yeah. Right. Yeah. that's why he's getting.
0: Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs> it's like really the, weird.
1: Uh, the, the 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 old joke about the the zoo in Spokane, which was the worst zoo in America, was that uh, they just built the zoo and uh, uh-huh. the animals that were in it were the ones that just happened to be there when they (laughs) blend in what the zoo is. Like, Schiff's Lifetime Achievement Award is just whoever happens to be in town in May.
3: (laughs) You're 35 or whatever. You've had a full life.
0: (laughs) There you go. I really want to... Yes. Yeah, I really want to meet the person that's like going to the Friday night screening of Eastern Promises and then the following night to Return of the King. Like, like <laughs> who's really who's really setting that on their calendar as like, okay, this is my must must do uh, for Sif. But uh, right. but anyway, I digress. Yeah. Not even, um, like the interesting Viggo Mortensen movies, like
1: Macalva No Right or A Dangerous Method or
3: Yeah, no. yeah. I don't know.
0: yeah, Return of the King. Return of the King. Yeah, oh, boy. Not even the complete trilogy. Like not if even, you're gonna no. show it, show the whole thing. Or you know, uh, not the worst one of the three.
3: Right. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's a discussion for another uh, time. But yes, Sif. Sif. Uh, Sif. Everybody. Okay.
1: Back. Back to like the stuff we are looking forward to. Go. Go ahead, Mike. You're. You're next up. All
0: right. Well, I'm gonna steal some thunder here. I think, but uh, it is really one that uh, I'm. I'm pretty giddy about, um, and it's the new Sammo Hung film, uh, My Beloved Bodyguard, which is called, uh, in the boring festival packet, it's just called The Bodyguard, um, and I don't think it's a remake of the Kevin Costner, uh, Whitney Houston movie, um, but it's Sammo Hung's first, uh, directorial, you know, uh, credit in 20 years, um, and he also stars in the film, um, and it, it's it's Sam Hung and it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting and uh, I like you I don't want to know too much about it I I just I kind of saw the name and I saw you know the credit and I said okay here we go um, but uh, he he plays a he plays a retired bodyguard that's you know. Uh, I think he's he's got onset dementia or something, but he's called back into the line of duty or whatever. Um, but I think it's going to... I think it's... If you're going to try and pick anything on this calendar that's going to be a slam dunk, probably going to be the Samahung movie. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten kind of middling reviews.
1: But I don't care. As, <laughs> I think it's going to be a slam dunk. As, like, the internet's biggest Samohunga tourist, I am, you know equally giddy about going to see this so, so, much, who, yeah, so much so that i that i am like waiting to watch it until i can actually see it in the theater because I, I could watch right. it now but i i don't want right. to,
0: right mm-hmm. um yeah as someone who picked the victim as 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 like uh you know the one of the greatest discoveries of what was that two or three years ago on the show yeah. um i and, and anytime i see samuel hung uh doing anything i'm 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 pretty happy so uh, i i think it'll be just fine (laughs) what about you melissa what's another one that you're excited about
3: uh well one that i have been wanting to see for a really long time and i kind of feel like at this point everybody's already seen it It's, it's just like one of the last festivals to get things yeah it's
1: the yes. last. i don't know anyway like, the, the festival year starts with like berlin and then really gets going with can right and sif yes overlaps can
3: right so the we're getting last year's and can is starting off yes kind of the new ones. yeah yeah right so but nonetheless i um have been looking forward to our little sister uh the Cor- corita how do you say that Cor- corita how do film? we say it? um <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah <don't know>. <laughs> anyway <laughs> Japanese. um i have been looking for our little more to our little sister for a very long time um i i love all of the movies that i've seen um from him and from um everything that i've read even though like you sean i've tried not to read um too many reviews before or really any reviews before i i see the film myself it, it sounds like it's going to be um Another uh, family drama um, with a kind of slow build and a focus on the sort of domestic relationships um, and the family relationships among um, these these sisters. So I'm not sure much more to say about it. I, I think I'll probably love it because I love everything I've seen um, from him. And so I can't wait to see it.
1: Yeah, I'm. Lo- I'm looking forward to that one as well. I think the way the schedule works out, though, I won't get to actually see it in the theater uh, because yeah. uh, because uh, the the first time it's playing, it overlaps with the Terrence Davies movie, and the second time mm-hmm. it's playing in Bellevue, and I don't think I can get from uh, right from Queen Anne to Bellevue in the ninety minutes it takes. Uh, In the 90 minutes between when it starts and when uh, my next pick uh, ends, which is the Whit Stillman movie, uh, Love and Friendship, the Jane Austen Uh, adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, aside from the fact that it's a Jane Austen adaptation and it's Whit Stillman and it has Kate Beckinsale and Chloe Sevigny uh, reunited, I don't know anything about it and I don't really need to know anything about it. (laughs) Yeah. uh, No, I mean, it's going to
3: be great. I that's the one I'm most probably sad that I'm going to have to miss. I think it'll come to Bellingham and actually in a a few weeks. But
1: yeah, I think it's like, yeah, I think it's opening in New York, like this week or something. And then it'll be nationwide by like the 27th or something. So
0: you'll have to wait like a week to see it. Yeah, Yeah.
1: it's not gonna be it's not gonna be one of those
0: ones that just kind of disappears. Right. Uh,
3: Right. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: But I I cannot wait a week to see it. I I gotta see it as soon as possible. So yeah,
3: yeah, I can't <laughs> wait for that one too. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mike, are you I'm going to avoid Whit Stillman. Uh It's. Uh... I don't. Do you so, do, do you not like Mike, Whit Stillman? Does he fall yeah. into your uh, uh, romantic problems of young people?
0: No, um, well, kind of by proxy. <laughs> like I don't. I don't have a knee jerk like. You know, I I don't want to vomit. You know, like I do with with you know a nope. Wes Anderson or something like that. You know no what I mean? Like I'm not. That. Yeah, I'm not like I, I don't want right. to like blow up the world. Um, so I'm I'm more I'm more indifferent. I'm I gotta say to that. So you know, I I am anything I, I, I will but I will not be in line for that. I I'll tell you that.
1: I am anything but indifferent to Whit Stillman. I yeah. Oh yeah. Have loved his no. movies for twenty five years. So, yeah, <laughs> I remember. Yep, that. I'm right there with you. What are you? <laughs> You're great. What do you have next up, Mike?
0: Uh, I'm kind of intrigued by a uh, camera person, which is another documentary. Uh, my I'm not a big documentary person, but uh, quite <laughs> a few documentaries on my SIF list here. But uh, it's. Uh, It's a documentary about, well, it's, it's, it's by Kirsten Johnson, who's a cinematographer, um, has done, uh, work on films such as citizen four. Um, and this film is not yet rated and a a lot of, a lot of documentaries. Um, and it's, it's kind of about images and, and her role as a cinematographer and, and the exposure, you know, the, the exposure to the world that she's had through this, uh, profession and, uh, you know, I like I like kind of those uh, pulling back the curtain on different aspects of filmmaking, and and uh, especially from um, kind of outsider perspectives, and you know, like these kind of uh, documentary styles and stuff. I think is I, I think could be pretty interesting. So um, I've I've heard it's you know pretty well reviewed, and uh, it looks pretty interesting. So that's that's my next pick.
3: Yeah, that one looked interesting to me too. Yeah,
0: yeah, did <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, am I next? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to go with the documentary as well. Um, although, yeah, it's kind of odd, actually. I have a few documentaries on my list, and I tend not to choose those first. But uh, this one is a Russian documentary um, by the filmmaker Vitaly Mansky. Um, it's called Under the Sun. And it is, he has a. this director has a track record, record apparently, of making uh, kind of portraits of life inside problematic, uh, quote unquote, uh, regimes like Cuba. Um, And this particular film documents one year in the life of a family in uh, North Korea's capital. And it focuses on the youngest member of the family, eight year old girl, and it follows her training to become what you might call the ideal patriot uh, of the country. And it's a preparation for her to join in this nationwide celebration known as the Day of the Shining Star, where they celebrate the birthday of their their dear leader. and the the film started out as a, a joint North Korean and Russian project, and the idea was that it would be strictly controlled by the North Korean government. but the the filmmaker kind of got around that by filming the scenes. Uh, when they would shoot a scene, he would kind of film before they started the actual scene and then kind of keep filming after the the scene was supposedly supposed to end so the the film itself became something much different than what the korean government thought it was going to be it kind of kind of reminds me a little bit of something like the act of killing where the the people being filmed think one thing is happening whereas the filmmaker is sort of more interested in what might be the things that aren't necessarily the focus of the of the scenes so it sounds really fascinating i um Perhaps, with um, someone like Trump looning large in the in the in the horizon here, uh, North Korea doesn't really seem that too too far away. So <laughs> <I'm>, yeah <laughs> um, this just sounds fascinating to me. And um I, apparently, he kind of got cut off while he was filming because they realized he wasn't doing what they wanted to do. so the the film, I think, is not quite struct completely tightly structured, but it, it seems like it's, there's going to be enough there that will make it pretty fascinating viewing.
0: Yeah. I, it, uh, a glimpse onto that culture that we don't get to see too much about. And that's, uh, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. That one does seem pretty exciting. What about mm-hmm. you, Sean, any documentaries on your list? Yeah. I've, uh,
1: my, uh, one of my, uh, I guess kind of guilty pleasures at, at film festivals is is arts documentaries like some people like environmental documentaries some people like social problem films i like the movie i like the documentaries about like ballet and classical music and stuff and uh one of uh my uh, my favorite classical music and documentarians has a new film at at sif and that is uh, concerto and it's directed by phil Grabsky who's uh, in search of Beethoven and in search of Mozart or of uh, in search of Haydn. I saw, I've seen uh, at, uh, at uh, Vancouver over the last uh, uh, several years. And uh, concerto is about a, a pianist who spends four years studying uh, Beethoven's piano concertos and uh, trying to kind of understand and get inside the music, and that and that's something that that Grabsky is like really good at is uh, explaining to someone like me who doesn't play or really understand music what is mm-hmm. uh, what is special about about Beethoven or or the particular piece under consideration, like what is unique about it, what what makes it great, and it, he does that not only in like his his storytelling, but also just in the way that he films the musicians playing. It's it's not like your your like great performances PBS, you know standard camera setup. It, he like really gets like really close and then kind of inside the instrument, and you can see like tactfully what it is like to make music. And I just I find all that mm. stuff fascinating. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this one.
3: That sounds great. That's called doc, uh, Concerto. Concerto.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, I go I go I whenever there's a ballet film at a festival, I I have to go see the ballet film. Mm. No, I don't know anything about ballet. And yeah. there's one here too, about like <laughs> Cuban three generations of Cuban ballerinas that
3: uh, That I'll, one looked inter- interesting to me too, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh it's called Horizons. I'll probably end up watching that as well. Just because I'm a am yeah, for no, those I'm,
3: I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm drawn to all the dance ones, too. I had to kind of restrict myself. But.
1: Yeah, they almost never end up being good. Like, every once in a while, right. there's, like, a, like what was it, Ballet 422? Mm, yeah, uh, that
3: was a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: that that one is really good. But usually it's, like, uh, we saw a few of them at SIF last year that were just totally mediocre. Yeah. Um, but Or VIF last year, I guess. I guess we saw... Some no, there was CIF some, to, some
0: yeah, for yeah. Um, virtuosity. I can't even... Yeah. That was the one I was gonna pull out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just kinda ho hum. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> All right. What what, what, else? what else you
1: got?
0: Oh, we want more? We're gonna keep going. Give, with give this? me give me more. I got I got I got more. <laughs> oh man. You promised me a half hour. Right. I don't even know what time you it suck,
3: is. You're sucking your I life. I told you
0: you I told you what time I go to bed, man. All right. Well, do, do,
1: do you want to do more? I mean, we can cut it off. You haven't mentioned Werner Herzog yet, so I assumed you had
0: more. I have not. Well, uh, well I've got more. I mean, I've got a list of like fifteen things, but we're not going to go through all fifteen of these damn things, well, right? No. I mean, we don't. We don't
1: want to end on like obscure documentaries. <laughs> Let's go
0: out with, uh, with something big. Something big. <laughs> something big. Mm-hmm. All right. Sure. Um, I guess I could pick the Werner Herzog. Um,
1: pick whatever you want. All, I right.
0: Don't care. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So you, you talk about how you have to kind of go see the, you know, the arts documentaries or whatever. That's kind of your your festival thing uh, that you kind of, it's, it's the bingo card that you've got to, you know, fill out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I mean, it wasn't really, it's never really been a plan, but I tend to um, see a lot of kind of, random korean films that are kind of weird and freaky mm. and scary um i'm not sure what that i don't tend to do that in my spare time like when i'm not at festivals but um but i saw a number at vif you know that ran the gamut from uh really good like i thought the piper was really fun and 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 exciting and then to the not so good like alice in Ernest land so they're you know they kind of run the the gamut there and there's one that you know, could go either way, but it's called Alone, uh, and it's from uh, Park Hong Ming, who uh, I've never seen anything. I think uh, only one other credit to their name uh, right, prior I, to this. I have seen that film. You've seen oh, you, alone. You saw it uh, I've seen
1: uh, a fish. His previous film.
0: Oh yeah, oh. it was it
1: good. It played at VIF. I think it might have actually been like part of the Dragons and Tiners composition. Uh, yes, it was really good. And I, in fact, uh, on my review from, I think it was VIF 2012, uh, you commented on my blog that it sounded amazing. So <laughs>
2: There you go.
0: See, <laughs> I, I, I fit the profile to a T. So yeah. uh, so this new one, uh, it has a, it, it sounds like a pretty gritty kind of, you know, uh, intense korean film you know (laughs) but basically um this guy gets trapped uh in this i think apartment complex or like within this kind of uh labyrinth of 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 a cityscape um and there's a murderer out on the loose or something like that he witnesses a murder um so it sounds pretty intense pretty uh you know hair raising and uh you know i i am pretty intrigued by this one, so th- that's one I definitely want to check out and I, and that's what I like about festivals like this is this is probably not gonna be playing anywhere and I probably uh wouldn't it wouldn't be on my radar if it wasn't for a festival program um so i'm 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 looking forward to taking the opportunity to see that one and I have a screener for it too so I don't have to leave the house
3: <laughs> <laughs> perfect,
0: yeah. So, uh, one more from you, Melissa. What are you you, uh, hyped Um, about?
3: Well, let's see. Um, Yeah, I have a few more here, too. Um, One, I don't know if this is a major film or not, but I am really looking forward to the Mark Cousins uh, film, I Am Belfast. So, I caught up with uh, his long-form documentary film, A Story of Film, sometime last year, I guess, and absolutely loved it. Um, And this particular film he, uh, he's also collaborating with, uh, Christopher Doyle for the cinematography, and it's supposed to be a kind of love poem to, uh, Belfast, dealing with kind of the, the mythical elements of it, as well as diving into the, just the the nitty-gritty of the day-to-day life of the, of the people, so it, it just sounds like an essay type of film that it could be really great, and I, I do love, um, cousins approach to to film and so i'm curious to see what this one will be like
0: yeah i I was sold on that one too that that was you know i went through the the guide the festival guide several times to kind of create my list because i i i'd gloss over a lot of the descriptions of things and everything would kind of blur together as all of these coming of age stories are just like you know (laughs) popping out of my ears but that was one that the first pass through i was like oh that sounds interesting and i'm putting that one down so that yeah yeah, that's been on my list from the get-go so that um and christopher doyle i you know you throw his name in there and i'm pretty amped for it so yeah yeah
2: for
0: sure all right i i want to finish up
1: with uh with a couple of movies that we actually saw in Vancouver that I'm looking forward to seeing again. And, uh, the, the headliner is, is Georgia and mountains made Apart, which, uh, <laughs> oh, premiered at Cannes a year ago. Uh, we saw it in Vancouver. It opened and played at art house theaters around the country earlier this year, but it hasn't yet played in Seattle. Uh, I assume because of SIF, uh, S- yes, yeah, SIF strong <laughs> armed the market. Yeah. Uh, which is, yeah. uh, Uh, pretty obnoxious but uh the other one is uh sylvia chang's murmur of the hearts which has a Mm -hmm. much lower profile than mountains made apart and which i liked almost (laughs) as much if not more like in in the moment at at the festival i'm I'm not sure like over Mm -hmm. over time um i've thought about mountains made apart more like we've talked about it more because i haven't had anybody to talk to about murmurs of the hearts with because I think you, Melissa, are the only other person I know that's actually seen it. Yeah. Uh, but it
3: Yeah, it's gotten no buzz at all, hardly it seems. Yeah,
1: it's it's it was it was a really lovely movie. And I think it's a movie that uh, now that I know where it's where it goes, I think it will be uh, even better the second time through. So I'm I think I'm gonna go out of my way to go and see that again in the theater
3: yeah I agree. I don't think I'd make it to the theater, but I definitely want to see it again. It was one of those films that it I think will certainly uh, benefit from a from a second viewing, as you say, once you kind of know where it's going because the narrative structure is um, it um, doesn't follow a chronological structure. kind of goes back and forth between time and in a really lovely way, but definitely yeah. one then to see again, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's one that I, I, I missed it at VIF, and I'm glad it's coming around. It was one I shortlisted because uh, I, I I really did want to see it there, and I, I just couldn't make it out for that one. But uh, yeah, and, and and I was very, you know, I, despite the fact that it, it took a year, uh, I'm glad Mountains Made Apart is coming back um, because that was one of my best experiences at VIF. I really responded to that one. So
3: Yeah, I can't wait to see one that one see too. I missed that it one. at VIF, so I'm super excited oh, to see it. Finally, so yeah. Good.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, so you know we're gonna talk about siF till you know I throw <laughs> myself out of window. Uh, so we, there's plenty more SIF to go around, and we didn't even you know we didn't get to everything that we're gonna see, but we'll be talking about it f- forever um, on on the next several shows, uh, probably um, at least at least two shows from the festival, yeah, we will have we're we're really. We're really gonna milk it.
1: <laughs> well, it just goes on for so long. I mean, it's, we you do have a show to keep every two weeks. The festival will yeah. just keep going. Yes, <laughs> I don't think we'll have a non-festival show until the new Johnny Toe movie comes out. So that's
0: the plan. Yeah. So, but we'll have dispatches. You know, hopefully, Melissa, you'll be able to, you know, uh, chime in with 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 what's uh, you know tickled your fancy, so to speak. Yeah, uh, definitely. And uh, yeah, so. A sif, a siffing we will go.
1: Yeah, and of course we'll we'll be writing about all of the stuff that we see at SeattleScreenScene.com.
0: That's right. Yeah. Good plug. Sean.
1: Yeah. <laughs> gotta, gotta gotta pay the bills. That's right.
0: <laughs> well, uh, thank you for joining us in this middle portion of the show, Melissa. Um, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna hear a little clip from. Our next film, which is uh, Tokyo Sonata. So uh, say goodbye to everybody, Melissa.
3: See you later. Thanks for having (laughs) me, guys.
0: (laughs) Yep. And uh, here we go.
1: So one of my goals, my, one of my movie goals for 2016 was to watch a movie by Kiyoshi Kurosawa. He was one of the, the more acclaimed directors in the world from whom I had never seen anything. So when, uh, when I saw that he had a new movie uh, coming up at CIFF, it, uh, it seemed a no-brainer. Uh, the problem was which one to watch. So I asked uh, Twitter which uh, Kurosawa movie we should talk about on the show and I asked them specifically which one should pair best with Terrence Davies. So I got a lot of responses. Most of the responses said Cure or Pulse or uh, uh, as like the first Curacao was to watch, Uh, but when I asked about pairing them with Davies I got answers like like Retribution or Journey to the Shore or Bright Future. got a lot of responses a lot of movies to watch of which we did not have time to watch all of those movies so when I asked you you just said Tokyo Sonata (laughs) I'm like sure why not uh I'm not on Twitter. Yeah, I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know if it paired well with Davies or not, uh, but I did watch Cure and Pulse beforehand, so those were the first Kurosawas I saw, and uh, they were really great, and they would not have gone well with Davies at all. I think, I think Tokyo Sonata fit a lot better.
0: Yeah, I think this movie actually, I think they do pair fairly well together.
1: Yeah, it is, uh, it is like The Long Day Closes, a kind of domestic drama about a family, uh, and uh with the, a young boy as the central figure. Uh but uh, I mean and there's music.
0: There's music.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and it is uh it is kind of uh oddly surreal. And yes. I mean that in in that it is surreal in a way that things are not normally surreal.
0: Yes. As opposed there, to there like are...
1: just being redundant.
0: There are flights of fancy. I mean, very different tonally and 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 uh, execution-wise. But yeah, they are weird. They're, yeah, this movie gets weird. Yeah, there are
1: <laughs> strange, strange interludes.
0: Yes. Uh, so,
1: so Tokyo Sonata, like I said, is it's about this family, and uh, the the setup is actually very similar to. Uh, I imagine a number of, of kind of Japanese salaryman films. Uh the one it reminded me of is uh uh Yesajira Ozu's Tokyo Chorus from the early thirties. Uh it's about a a man who who gets laid off from his job or quits. I'm a little unclear on that. I think he quit. But anyway, he doesn't tell his family. He just continues to pretend to go to work every day. And actually, uh Spends most of his days as a homeless person, like eating at like a like a soup kitchen and just kind of wandering the streets and not finding uh, a job in administration because he's too proud to take a lower level job. Uh, At the same time, his uh, youngest son uh, begins surreptitiously taking piano lessons uh, because his father won't let him and his oldest son uh, decides he wants to join the American army. Uh, and meanwhile, the, his, his wife uh, is just kind of very sweet and put upon by everyone until finally she snaps to and drives to the sea. And that's when, uh, in the last half hour or so, I think is when uh, this movie really becomes something uh, kind of extraordinary, is... After, after this long buildup of the kind of traditional melodrama stuff, the way that the family breaks, that each individual member has this surreal journey of their own, uh, is really striking. And then it ends with like, uh, you know, people described like Phoenix last year as like this great kind of mic drop ending. I think this is just as good as that, if not better but yeah, it's, like the, a, it's like a Debussy mic drop.
0: Yeah, the ending of this is, is phenomenal. It really is. Um, but going back to the the previous point, when, when things really kick into gear, I can pinpoint it, mm-hmm. uh, for me at least. Um, the husband comes home um, from... Uh, he'd gone to dinner at his other unemployed businessman's, uh, household. Right. And, and he, he goes to dinner there and he comes home and his wife is on the couch and she's kind of lying there. She's kind of, uh, you know, she'd been napping or something on the couch and she says, oh, I was thinking of making tempura, you know, do, are you going to eat? And he's like, no, I went over to this guy's house. I'm good. I'm going to go to bed. She says, I'm going to go to bed too. Um, and then he leaves the room and she's on the couch. And she's kind of just looking up at the ceiling, and she raises her arms in the air, and she says, "Somebody, please help me up." And it's this kind of like, it, it, it not just it, it it but it's said in a way that is clear that she's not just asking for somebody to get her off the couch. It's yeah. like, "Somebody help me! I'm in I'm in trouble." Um, and I was like, "Whoa, wait, what's gonna ha- what's going on now?" And then from that point on. I started to question like what I was seeing, like whether it was a dream that she was having while she was on the couch, because a bunch of weird stuff happens, like the son deciding to join the military, um, all of these, and then, you know, the, weird stuff happens. This guy breaks into their house mm-hmm. uh, to rob them, and she ends up being like, I'm running away with you, dude. <laughs> then, like They get in the car and drive off, and like you said, go to the ocean. Um, so that point when she, but it, it was that very moment when she says, somebody, please help me up. That for me is when it kicked into overdrive and I was like, okay, where is this going to go now? Cause I was interested in the setup for sure. But, um, when it started to pivot and do very, it, it, it went in ways I was not expecting it to go. Um, then I was like, okay, this is getting pretty interesting here. So,
1: yeah, the, uh, the neat thing about that is that the guy who's the robber, uh, the actor who plays them is the lead in cure. Mm-hmm. And he's he's also started in, in or he appeared in Pulse. He had a very small part in Pulse, but uh, he's it's like uh, uh, Kurosawa himself like begins taking like an active role in what's going on instead of just kind of uh, the, you know patiently filming the disintegration of this family. He starts doing movie stuff to them, like the the father finds an envelope of money and suddenly he's got like a movie plot crisis and the 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 wife gets kidnapped and then uh starts to run away with a hostage and that's like a movie uh the 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 little boy is uh decides to run away from home and that's a movie like it suddenly all becomes like movie movie stuff that is happening to them at the same time that this movie star appears in the film mm.
0: yeah yeah it, it definitely it has this kind of um it's like an adaptation when it kind of turns into that third act, like mm-hmm. you know, let's let's uh, make this a Hollywood movie all of a sudden, and and but then, but what's interesting about it is that um, in both of those movies is that um, it doesn't turn into like a generic, like the they incorporate these Hollywood or these you know movie movie you know things into it, but it doesn't change really the rea- the world that these characters, like the characters remain very sa- the same. Um, and so it's kind of this, uh, you know, pushing at the seams of, of the reality of the film. Um, yeah. That- well, they, they all have their adventure and they all hate
1: it. Like it, it, yeah, it, it all come like, home. It, yeah. It ends up not working out at all. Like they all, you know, had this kind of, uh, it's, it's like a, a shot at freedom. And they all like took the shot and and missed, and then ended up back at home, much happier than before.
0: Yeah, they 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 kind of realize. Yeah, I think it puts things in perspective for them, and um, I think they come. To, I think it, more importantly, they. I think they. Their escapes give them some sort of. Compassion for what the rest of the families feel, like they they start to kind of understand each other a little bit once they do that, and I think that's what the that final, I think that final scene, um, encompasses that as they walk off the out of the frame at the end of it um, into this kind of bright light uh, is is uh, so that kind of symbolizes that, but it's yeah, they're yeah.
1: just they're they're united, and I don't I don't think like uh, I mentioned the the poem uh I don't think it's a coincidence that that the, the 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 piece that is played at the end is is Claire de lune which is based on a poem which which I put on letterbox because I do that um <laughs> I think the poem is 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 very much like kind of about the same the same thing that this family is going to yeah uh, the the line is like a uh, they yet seem quite reluctant to believe their happiness. Yeah. And that seems to me like this family, like like this family is doing fine if they just stop, you know, if like the dad stops being a dick and if like they could communicate with their children.
0: Well, that yeah, that's the thing It's communication. I wrote that mm-hmm. down as one of my notes. It's like uh, this, it's one of those things where you get it like culturally and, you know, um, he feels and, you know, his generation or whatever, like I have to be the breadwinner and stuff, but it's, it's something where you, you're you just like, if you all just like talked to each other, <laughs> everything would be fine, you know? Right. Like um, the,
1: I, I love the, uh, the scene where, where the mom is questioning the dad, why he won't let his son take piano lessons. And, and his, his only response is I can't back down now because then I would lose my, my authority. Right.
0: And it's like, that's not how it works. <laughs> and like, he,
1: he, he has no idea why he didn't want his son to take the lessons. He was, no. it was just like a, a random response. He's just like, no, you can't do that because like, I can't work in my job. And then, you know, he has the, the logic of his ideology is, is like patriarchal authoritarianism says that he has to defend that ideal, no matter how stupid it is.
0: Yeah. Yes. He's, he's very bullheaded, uh, and, and it causes so much uh, pain and you know frustration um, yeah. and, but, it's, but it's interesting too because because you know his son um, is is in so many respects the youngest son uh, the one that we spend most of the movie with um, is is so unlike his father in so many respects but they both end up being, Guys that keep secrets, you know, and, and, you know, the kid hides the piano lessons. And, and what I think that, you know, visually, th- there's, a, there's a shot that happens multiple times in the movie where they're, he's coming home from his day at quote unquote work, uh, and the son is coming home from school, and they're coming up, you know, they're converging on their, their families, the street that they live on, but they're coming from two separate paths, but they're clearly this of the same, they're the same, you know, Lineage or whatever, they you know they uh, they have the, is, they have kind of the
1: same kind of stubborn self righteousness. Yeah, to, like you know the 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 way that they will stick to their own belief system and point out the hypocrisy that they see in others, but not recognize in themselves. Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, it's it's really terrific. I, I don't know. I think I liked the the horror movies better. But it's it's hard to say they're they are so uh, like similarly uh, building the surreal out of like the mundane like they are not kind of shock scary gory horror movies but they're really really unsettling yeah and uh, and very very lonely in in the same way the members of this family up up until the end are, are very lonely uh, that is. Is the same issue at play in, in the horror films. Uh, while at the same time, like the movie, this movie, none of the movies are, are depressing. Like, I, th- I think we're kind of making it sound really dour, but for a lot of it, it's, it's actually kind of funny.
0: Oh yeah. I, I was actually, that was a note that I wanted to bring up was, um, it's pretty hilarious, uh, at certain points. And, uh, you know, I mean, there, There's a scene of the father where he, this is where I thought it was a dream again, where he goes into this, um, you know, this high rise to apply for a job and Mm -hmm. they ask him what his qualifications are, what his strengths are and what what his
1: special skills are.
0: Yeah. And he's completely speechless. And he's like, I don't know what you're asking me. Like, do you want me to like show you that I'm good at karaoke? And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) And he's like, I don't know what you want from me. And they're like, well, what are your skill sets? And then they force him to do karaoke, <laughs> like,
1: But then, but uh, the camera cuts just as he's about to
0: sing. I know he's about to go into it, but, uh, but yeah. So there's these goofy little things, and, and then and then the 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 scene where he does take that money, and he, um, you know, he he ends up as a you know a custodian at a at a mall, um, and he finds this money. And he runs off because, you know, his wife sees him as a custodian. And, it, you know, his big secret has been revealed. And then he runs and he goes and gets hit by a truck. <laughs> you know, like, like, that's hilarious. Like, it's 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 horrible. And he's, like, lying in the street and he's all in pain. But, like, uh, but that's also hilarious, you know, yeah. the buildup of all that stuff. So um, I actually want to talk about something that I don't normally talk about because I don't notice things like this, I don't think. Um you know, there, there are certain aspects of movie making that I think I tend to gravitate towards more than than other things. I don't talk about lighting very often, hmm. but the lighting in this movie is so good. Like, there's so many examples of that, and uh, the uh, the the big one. Well, the two big ones are the final shot where they walk off the frame into this into this kind of glowing light, and then, then there's, there's the scene of the mother. Um, at dawn who you know she's on this beach by herself and and this light i mean that that shot is amazing where this kind of light just kind of grows uh around her and it's really really cool but what i want to talk about is um in particular at their home there are a couple of scenes where the father will be kind of a total, you know, dick. (laughs) And he's, he's either telling his oldest son that he can't go to, you know, uh, he can't join the military or or he's telling the other son that, you know, you're not going to play piano. And what's so interesting about it is it's framed uh, with him in the living room where there's this fluorescent light over him that really, you know, it's got this skeletal, you know, bleached out look to it. But then the mother will be in the kitchen or the dining room, which is, you know, uh, an open space right behind it or in front of it, and she's got this warm, uh, wow. you know, incandescent light above her. That that the like, to have those two kind of those two textures on screen at the same time um, are s- it's such a great easy way of uh, of denoting the difference between their two approaches to parenting and uh, just their personalities and all of those things. And there's subtle things like that that happen throughout the movie. Um, and then in addition to these. Um, very expressionistic um you know very uh, flashy uh to use the term uh moments of using lighting but i, I think it very very well done i even wrote down the name I, I can't read my scribbles but um yeah whoever did the lighting was
1: oh, the, the dp was uh akiko ashizawa okay
0: yes good stuff
1: uh yeah, I think uh, the the way that he uses the space of the home I thought was really interesting, especially in, in comparison to, to Ozu, who, I mean, like I said, this film has a lot in common with. But uh, Ozu's home spaces are like very kind of traditional Japanese homes with like the, the, the screen doors and, and the foyers and, and very lots of rectangles within rectangles. And they're, this is a more modern home. Uh, the only kind of screens are the... The windows to the outside which uh earlier in the film the the father like hilariously tries to sneak in through uh but the front door is like a is like a more uh western style front door and the interior of the home uh Uh, Kurosawa has like shots of like the family eating uh, but instead of them eating within a square with like other rectangles behind them like the rectangles of the kitchen uh, it's that same composition that you see in Ozu films except in the foreground is a staircase like slashing diagonally uh, across the family which uh, is something that you see there are like those uh, like staircase diagonals in Ozu but, but rarely would you see it in like a domestic scene like that and similarly, with that, that lamp that you're talking about that, that hovers over the Father, uh, unlike all of the other uh, shapes in, in the home space, the lamp is, is curved. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's like bright orange and it's, and it's like a, a half a, a moon shape, which is uh, unlike any other, other shape in the space. And there's even like there's the teapot, which you can you can barely see. It's like in the corner of, of several of the frames. It's the same teapot that, that Ozu kept using in all of his films, except Ozu's teapot was red and this one is white. So I think I think this is like like conscious of Kurosawa just trying to to update uh, Ozu. Who's right. somebody we've never talked about on on the show, I don't think.
0: I don't think we have. Um... Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, this is Tokyo Sonata, and obviously, you know, Tokyo Story um, is a... Tokyo Chorus. Yeah, Tokyo Chorus. Um, So, um, but yeah, I definitely got the same kind of vibe of of those compositions, and I think my favorite one of those is is, uh, when the father comes home, uh, and he wants a beer, you know, um, and the family's waiting, because they can't start eating dinner until the father, you know, says dig in or whatever, and he sits down, and he pours the beer and everybody's bisected by the staircase. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and it's perfectly composed because you get the beer glass is like right where it needs to be. It's not blocked by anything. You know, it's not, it, it's right where it needs to be in his little mini frame or whatever. And, and he just sits there and he pours it, takes a drink. He's like, man, that's tasty. And then he <laughs> fills it up again. Like he doesn't, you know, he, he does it again. Um, <laughs> and everybody's just kind of patiently waiting for this guy to, you know, uh get get to it you know but uh, yeah so it, it's it's really well crafted and like you said the ending is um exquisite. I mean it's really even though you know I I kind of expected what happens at the end um, because conveniently we don't see the the talent of the sun on display before that we just hear about it um that's okay because it's freaking awesome <laughs> yeah I, I did not expected i i really by by the
1: halfway point i had no idea where this movie was going and where it would end up uh but like as as soon as he started playing and that and that's kind of the difference between the this ending and and phoenix's ending like in phoenix you can tell exactly where the film is going and then when it when it when it gets there it's like damn that that was great and with this one it's uh as amazing but it was much more of a surprise at least for me
0: yeah, and I'm not saying like I predicted everything, but sure. I did I did anticipate that. Okay, I bet you this the actor they chose actually can probably play the piano is kind of the extent of what I um, came up with. But like, yeah, the the rug yeah. is pulled out from under you by the you know middle point of this movie to where I mean no one's gonna you know guess that this guy breaks into the house and then the wife decides to, you know, go with him and you know I mean all of those all of those things are just uh Was that actually
1: him playing? Like it, it looked to me at times like it was not. Like it looked uh, out of sync to me.
0: I thought it was I mean I, I I kinda noticed a little of that too, but the the mimicry at least, the kid knew what he was doing. Is, yeah. To yeah. the extent of yeah. I mean yeah. I don't think the kid necessarily was like as amazing but he knew what he was doing yeah uh, so um but yes anyway so yeah it's it's a, it's a solid film and uh and like we said at the top of the show and throughout the show uh kurosawa has a film uh, at sif this year so uh
1: yeah it's another it's another horror film i believe it's it's called creepy
0: which is a fitting name yeah <laughs> so uh we're gonna take one more break uh and then close this baby out.
1: So next time on the show, we will both uh, most likely be exhausted from watching a bunch of SIF movies, and we are going to talk about those movies. Yep. And That's the plan. we don't know what those movies are going to be, or <laughs> even when we're actually going to be talking about them, but it'll probably be coming sometime around the weekend of May 27th.
0: Yeah, something like that. Uh, with 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 only three weeks of SIF to go from that point on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yes. So uh, that, that'll be interesting.
1: One, one thing uh, that is sorely missing from SIF, uh, from as uh, is the case every year I've been at SIF, is Hong Sang-Soo. But if you are in New York, you can see all of the Hong Sang-Soo because the Museum of the Moving Image is doing a almost complete retrospective uh, from June 3rd to June 19th. Ah, so you should go see those. That's pretty pretty cool stuff. They're not in chronological order, which is which is kind of annoying. Um, on Sunday, June 5th, they're doing uh, Virgin Strip Bear by Our Bachelors, which we talked about on the show before. And uh, on a week later, on Sunday, June 12th, they're playing Okie's movie, which is one of my uh, uh, sight and sound list picks. Uh, right. It's an amazing film. And I actually recorded a podcast for like almost a year ago, that never saw the internet. <laughs> but it was a good show. It was, uh, the guy who was doing it, I guess, never...
0: Never got it together.
1: Never got it together. But it, the discussion we had was, was very good. But uh, oh. yeah, they've got, they've got all of them up until Hill of Freedom. They don't have uh, Right Now, Wrong Then yet, because it is currently in release. But everything from The Day a Pig Fell In to The Well to Hill of Freedom... Is playing in New York. Pretty bitching,
0: yeah. Well, I teased you at the beginning before we started recording that I had something that uh, would make you jealous, and um, you, you countered with your Hong Sang Soo, and I and I I respect you, but I know you, Sean, mm. and I know you have a special place in your heart for the talents, the charm, the beauty of Olivia De Havilland, mm. and the Stanford Theater in Palo Alto is doing a whole Olivia De Havilland. 100th birthday celebration, um, double features every weekend. Um, we, we've already missed Adventures of Robin Hood, um, but coming up May 13th, 15th, wait, is that right now? That's this weekend as I'm talking, uh, Captain Blood. So, you know, we got a lot of the Errol Flynn's. They died with their boots on is coming up. Hmm. Um, and on, uh, July 1st, which is Olivia de Havilland's 100th birthday, uh, Gone with the Wind. Um, but that's, uh... All, all through June uh, at the Stanford Theater and uh, in Palo Alto, California.
1: So, really, I'm I'm surprised at you because, like, what while, while while I like Olivia de Havilland, I I am a Joan Fontaine man.
0: Aren't you? I thought you would like Olivia de Havilland. No, I my, you, I prefer Joan. Oh, I'm sorry. My yeah. mistake. Yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> actually the Stanford's mistake. Mm-hmm. I will uh, I will let them know and they'll they'll have to change their their program around for you. But um, yeah, so you can find out more about us uh, at Seattle screen scene.com. We will be writing. Uh, We've, we haven't been writing for the last, I don't know, month. Um, But that's just, you know, the, the calm before the Sith storm as as, as it were. Um, So all of us will have stuff coming up. um, Probably a, a flurry of activity. Although a lot of stuff that we've talked about on this show today um has, uh, has annoying hold reviews on them. So we'll see what actually ends up getting published. But uh, you can find out even more through the Twitter at Seattle Screen. We have an email account, Seattle Screen at gmail.com. I think that's it for this spectacular episode. What do you think? God, I hope so. <laughs> well, and unless, unless you
1: want me to start reading some poetry at you. Oh, God, No. <laughs> I got my T.S. Eliot right here.
0: Oh, boy. Here we go. Uh, yeah. So uh, till next time, uh, it's been a blast, and uh, thanks for listening.